What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I'm your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside the man, the myth, the legend himself, Brock Davis. Brock, how you doing? Ooh, <laughs> I'm doing good. Good. I'm fired up. I, know, I don't you know just, why. No, you just finished shooting a, a 97 in golf, which is fantastic. Below 100. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal for all amateur golfers out there is below 100, I think. I think my last time I went out, I shot exactly 100, but... I used to play so much better when I got more consistent time out there. Because, yeah, I've played four times in the last month, I think, like every weekend. And I shot like 108, 113, 108 again, and then now 97. So, hey, when you look at 108, 113, that's a gain of, you know, I, I cut some strokes. Yes, you did. You definitely did on that one. So, guys, we have a really fun show planned for today. But before we go any further, I want to say... Thank you so much. We appreciate all the support you've given us and the amazing opportunity to expand. If you guys haven't heard, go listen to the podcasts. I guess a couple before this. Derek announces some fun stuff that we're going to be doing, Brock and myself, here in the near future. Hopefully, we're going to get it out by spring training, if not maybe a little bit after that into opening day area. If you guys like what we have going on here, please, please, please tell a friend and go on to wherever you listen to the podcast and give us a review. If you have any questions, topic ideas, or want to join us just for a talking fan segment, you can message myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims and Brock at BDROX8, or you can email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at talkinghalos, on Instagram as well now at talking underscore halos, and also on Facebook, of course, at talkinghalos. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire, home of Talking Halos. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as other hosting sites would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sporting experience. So enough with all the program is limited. So get get your application in today. To apply, go to goingwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. But the little bit that kind of, I guess, has come out that I want to talk about is Baseball America put out their top 10 prospects for the Angels, which went as followed. Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, Jordan Adams, Jeremiah Jackson, Jack Kochanowicz, Jemai Jones, Hector Yon, and Kyron Paris. So I know, Brock, that you are not really into the minor league scene all that much, but you know a little bit about it. So what, do you, what are your thoughts here? I'll give my thoughts slightly after that, but what are, what are your thoughts on this? Any surprises, anything that you know, you'd like to see a little bit different? No, not really any surprises, but, um, you know, we've are both of us, I think are kind of on the same page that we like Marsh, maybe a little bit better than Adele long-term. I think 
Marsh kind of fits my ideology of the more of a five tool rather than Adele. I think, I don't know, you'd like to compare him to Upton. I think he might come out a little bit of a better defender and have a little more speed than Upton down the line for a longer period of time than Upton did. But maybe around the age that Upton is, I could see Adele kind of being that kind of player. But Marsh, I see him being like like a Trout, but not as good, obviously, but kind of how Trout is able to do everything well above average. And I think Marsh has the ability and potential to be average or above average on almost all spectrums of the, of, of baseball. And, uh, you know, that's, that's hard to beat, you know, even if you do everything at an average level, you're a really good baseball player and have, have incredible value to your name. Um, in comparison to somebody that can just hit for power or can just run those players, you know, give value to your team too. But when you have a guy that has the potential to do all of them at a average or above average level, you have something special. So, um, I want to say it's a surprise. I think Adele's been ranked higher than Marsh the entire way through. Um, but just, you know, throwing my opinion out there that I think some of us like Marsh a little bit better than Adele, regardless of what happened with Adele last year. Yeah, you know, and this kind of open up, opens up the door for, you know, my top 30 list, and that's going to be coming out at some point in the near future. But, you know, it's nice to see Adele still in there because that I think I'm going to end up putting Adele in mine as well because I just kind of want to throw that season behind us, 60 games. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't mean much in general at all. I, it, it kind of is what it is. But you bring up a really interesting point when it comes to prospects, and there's been a couple of interesting comparisons by good friend of the show, Taylor Blake Ward, that, you know, the Joe, you mentioned the Joe Adele with Justin Upton, but also with Brandon Marsh and Charlie Blackman. And the question is, I mean, you really want to flip a coin in their prime. Who would you rather have, Justin Upton or, Brand, or uh, yeah, Justin Upton or Charlie Blackman? You know, because, I mean, it's a very, that's actually a really interesting comp to think about there. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pull up the stats or anything like that. But, I mean, just off the top of your head, Justin Upton in his prime or Charlie Blackman in his prime? Both very good players, by the way, in their prime. Both got very good contracts after when they became free agents. Or Charlie Blackman didn't become a free agent, but he signed an extension. And, you know, like I said, all-stars, I believe both first-round picks. If not, maybe Charlie Blackman was second or third rounder. But all, all in all, you know, both very good players and nothing to, you know, snub at all. But... Again, you look at a guy like Charlie Blackman, who's been, I'd say, a little bit more consistent over his career, we'd say, rather than Justin Upton, who we've seen a bit of a roller coaster ride with. You know, we see we see glimpses of Justin Upton right now, especially where it's, you know, man, Justin Upton could really help this team out and be really good. And then on the other hand, you look and it's like, wow, Justin Upton is one for his last 40, like we saw last year, or something along the lines of that. So I could definitely see, you know, those comps are very good with that, and I, I could definitely see that. For me, in general, and this this list, there's a couple head scratchers in a sense. Chris Rodriguez, right away, he was moving up to number two on my list. Anyways, he's jumping over Detmers. I seen him once. I love him. I can't speak highly enough about him. Kachanowicz is one of those guys that early on, actually, when he was in Long Beach because he was in because that's where he had to go last year to pitch and get his innings in. He really opened a lot of eyes, and people really liked him there. So that is why he has all of a sudden just jumped right into this top 10, which is maybe surprising for some, 
But, you know, those who are really paying attention, it's like, wow, this makes a good amount of sense now. And then last but not least, Kyron Paris at 10 is, I guess, in a sense, a bit of an underachiever. I'm going to have him quite a bit higher, probably in the top seven to five. And then also one other guy that's not on this list that's on a lot of people's top 10 list, in fact, probably everybody but Baseball Americas, is Errol Vera. Uh, Angels signed him out of, I want to say Venezuela, to the Venezuela or Dominican Republic last year. And for, and you know, he's one of those guys where it's super interesting, but reports coming out of the Dominican right now are that he's gained maybe a little bit of weight. Not going to compare it anywhere near uh, Kevin Maeton yet, where we've just seen him drop off the table. And most of you might be saying, who is Kevin Maeton anyways, Jared? But yeah, highly talented prospect and one another guy to keep in mind as they come forward. So I think, you know, that's kind of the only news that we really have at the moment. If I guess maybe if anything develops as we're doing this podcast, we can probably try to talk about it. But there was some other stuff that I kind of want to bring up, some kind of more fun questions for myself and Brock to debate about. And hopefully, I'm hoping that you guys who are listening to this have listened to our previous podcast. The The first part of the podcast came out today when we're recording this. Of course, the next one's going to come out the following day on Wednesday, but that's besides the point. Between myself and Brent McGuire of Locked on Angels, and we were doing a podcast together, a split podcast, and we drafted the top, or we drafted a 26-man roster of Angels. So the best Angels that you can make, and we just went back and forth and picked, and it was a lot of fun. Go on, check that out. But one of the things that kind of we stumbled on, we kind of didn't really anticipate, really know what to do, was pick between guys like Garrett Anderson and Jim Edmonds or Nolan Ryan and Chuck Finley or even a guy like Troy Gloss who, you know, Chuck Finley and Garrett Anderson were with the team for quite a while, you know, 10, 12, 15, 17 years at at some of those guys and put up the numbers over a longer period of time. Whereas you look at a guy, I mean, Nolan Ryan was with the team, I want to say for eight or nine years, still a long time. Not as long as, I don't believe, Chuck Finley or guys of his nature. And also a guy like Troy Gloss. Sean Figgins wasn't with the Angels as long. And my question to you, Brock, is who do you rather have? Who would you rather have between some of those guys? Do you want the guy that was with the Angels longer? Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon, even a guy like Darren Erstad was with the Angels for quite a long time. That put up those pretty dang good numbers but only because it was over a longer span or would you rather have guys like Troy Gloss, Sean Figgins, even Nolan Ryan who is great by any means but wasn't with the Angels as long as some others who put up really good numbers over that certain though over that little bit of span but they put up similar F war as well like their their war is very identical like I, I want to say Chuck Finley's as an Angel was 46 Nolan Ryan was 45 or something like that uh, uh, Garrett Anderson as an angel was 22 and you know Vlad in comparison Vlad as an angel was 20 or something like that or and Troy Gloss had a 20 something 25 I want to say F war and Sean Figgins had a 22 F war as an angel which is kind of surprising but you know those guys didn't put up 
the number they they didn't play here as long. So who would you rather have? The guy that you know spans his career longer, or do you want those guys who weren't as long but played really well during that span? Well, if the question is to make an all-time Angels team, basically from a draft, then personally, I'm going to be going for the ones that performed the best with the team, regardless of how long. Especially when you think about, you know, in your comparison, saying Nolan Ryan played for you know eight or nine years with the Angels and put up a 45, and then Chuck Finley played for however many he did and put up a 46, then. To me, that means that Nolan Ryan performed to an equal value comparatively to another player around the same war in a lesser amount of time, which means technically he is better. So for me, if it's, you know, if we don't have any time constraints like, oh, I want an all time Angels draft from the years of 1970 to 1975 or something like that, where I only have that five year span, if it's an all time Angels draft, I'm picking the best of the best. So that would be Nolan Ryan would be on that list. Um, I think, I mean, I might be spacing on Jim Edmonds stats, but from what I remember, Jim Edmonds was incredible when he was with us. Um, Troy Gloss was also a monster when he was with us. Uh, so personally, and I don't know, I'm probably going to get hate for saying this, but I, I never was a huge fan of Garrett Anderson personally. Like I really enjoyed watching his, uh, excuse me, his 10 RBI game that he had, that was sick. But other than that, his fielding drove me crazy. He was like the laziest outfielder I had ever seen. And I don't know, something about Garrett Anderson, I, I, I didn't like his swing. His swing looked lazy to me. Like it was like a lazy Ken Griffey Jr. swing is what it looked like to me. I don't know. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this because I know Garrett Anderson was a fan favorite of that era. But for me, like Darren Erstad. I would take Garrett Erstad over Garrett Anderson any day of the week. I would take Jim Edmonds over Garrett Anderson. I would take Vladdy over Garrett Anderson. I would take Trout over Garrett Anderson. Like, there's so many outfielders that of the Angels history I would rather have an all-time draft list than Garrett Anderson. So for me, the short term, you know, I mean short term in comparison to some of the guys that had a 15, 20-year tenure with the Angels, but uh, the guys that performed the better in the shorter amount of time is, is where I'm leading with this. Yeah, and I like that. And you bring up Jim Evans. That was a name that I forgot because he put up very, very similar numbers to guys like Garrett Anderson and not necessarily Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon's above all these guys. When it, when you look at war, and I'm talking more about war here, but the way that they're valued, I mean, it, it's just kind of interesting. I figured I, I would get kind of your take on this because I never really thought about it and I've never really looked at it. And I was surprised when Garrett Anderson only had a 22 war or something like that in his Angels career, which was basically his entire career and such like that. But yeah, it was just kind of an interesting thing. And I, from my standpoint, it's really tough for me because you look at a guy like Chuck Finley, who played a, I want to say he probably actually started a hundred, maybe close to 50 to 100 more games than Nolan Ryan. But Nolan Ryan put up the same Fangraphs war as him, which I, I just, you know, I... It's a difficult choice for me between those two. And most people are, would say, all of a sudden, just like, all right, I'm picking, I want to pick Nolan Ryan. But I don't want to say go look at the stats. And same thing with Jim Edmonds and Gloss and those guys who just didn't play very many games with the Angels. And, you know, it's it's just a tough question. I, I figured I'd want to get your take on this. And I'll probably ask 
some more people as we get them on the podcast, Derek, John, and them, and see what their thought is on this and how they value their players in general. And you can kind of take this into account with, you know, baseball in general right now. And it's kind of the question that keeps you up at night is, do you want those guys who play, I wouldn't, let's just call it average for a longer period of time, put up maybe that two to three win seasons over a 10 year span? Or do you want the guy that puts up a five to six win season over a five year span? And I think that kind of jumps into where the angels are at right now as well is, do you want to go out and sign the big Trevor Bauer deal? And, you know, or do you want to go and get a couple pitchers, Paxton, you know, Tanaka, whoever they want to maybe go get, Odorizzi's out there. So I just figured it was kind of an interesting concept to bring in to kind of wrap around. Again, another question that keeps me up at night. <laughs> you know, so you know, another outfielder I'd rather have than Garrett Anderson? Throw it out there. Torrey Hunter. That's another guy who's really close. Like, you know, and... I, like we we're we're, we're going to have to go through like all-time angels on this podcast at some point because there's not very many guys that played very long with the Angels when you look at it. There's not guys that like of course the Yankees are the Yankees, but there's not too many guys like the Yankees out there that have guys who played their entire career. Like I hope that that Trout is here his entire career and you know Salmon was here his entire career and Finley was almost here his entire career, but but yeah, you know and, and back onto the Garrett Anderson thing that was one guy that kind of surprised me. Like he was getting some, I think I, he, he was on the hall of fame ballot. I don't think he got any votes or anything like that. Not nearly as good enough to get any votes or anything like that. But he, I, I just didn't think he put up the numbers from an, I guess an advanced analytical standpoint. And that goes into, I mean, a lot of us saw him play and that's going to be something that we may get a little bit of hate for here on this podcast. And it is what it is. But I, I, in a sense, tend to agree with you. I mean, there is there is a certain swagger to what Garrett Anderson brought to the table. Kind of like, I mean, Ken Griffey brought it to the table. Trout brings his swagger to the table. You know, even Pujols brings his swagger to the table. I mean, everybody brings a little swag to the table. But, yeah, GA definitely brought a bit of swagger to the t- table. And it was something that, you know, in the back of my head, I always thought, like, why is Garrett Anderson never get his pants dirty? You know? Super random thing. And, you know, I... Personally, I like the swing. It's it was a little bit long, but it was it was something that you know you go and look at Garrett Anderson's stats, and it's like, oh, you know, he was a good angel, and those that watched him knew he was a good angel. But you know, in the scheme of things, like his numbers weren't as good as you know others. But yeah, to bring I mean, this dude, whole, he played seventeen years and got twenty five career WAR. Yeah, I mean, nothing against that. That's a fantastic career, an unbelievable career, and tip the cap to Garrett Anderson. But but if we're just talking all time though that's that's the that's the part like mm-hmm. if you just say hey was how, how was Gerd anderson i'd be like yeah he had a good career put up some decent stats but then when you bring up the whole hey who's your starting three outfield for the angels all time he's not even top five for me yeah i mean you put in trout right trout's in the mix for sure tim salmon and who's your third guy because i think trout and salmon are one two i mean unless you're putting salmon at dh you know, you could put uh, Torrey Hunter in the mix without really looking. You can put... I mean, I would say for that third spot, I would probably either go... Brian Downing is a guy who played the outfield. Vladi or Erstad, probably. Erstad, yeah. So, I, I mean, I'd probably go... I think what I would go is Trout, Downing, and Salmon 
but that's just me. Actually, you know, if anybody wants to throw out their top three outfielders, I'm sure we'll make this into some type of podcast eventually when we don't have much to talk about. I mean, heck, maybe in the next couple of weeks. If free agency doesn't pick up, we'll probably end up starting talking about this. But just to get the, the wheels turning here and kind of, you know, back onto our original topic, you know, the, that topic that keeps me up at night, you're saying that you would rather have the guy that performs better for a shorter period of time than the guy who, you know, over a longer period of time, you know, performs average, in a sense. Well, See, it's, a tough, it's a tough question. It's, it is. It's it's because I know I know where this is leading, and I think <laughs> I'm not going to even call you out. I'm not going to call you out on any Trevor Bauer stuff. It's it's no. in general like this. I was we were I was thinking about this like when we were doing it with Brent. And even Brent had was like kind of going back and forth like. You know, like Garrett Anderson was a great angel, played a long career with the Angels, you know, but he didn't put it up over a long amount of time. He was average for 17 years, whereas, you know, you can get a guy like Troy Gloss who only played in eight, 900 games for the Angels, but put up very similar numbers as an angel. So, I mean, that's my thought. I mean, I'm not even bringing in Trevor Bauer or, you know, that, that question that keeps us up at night. Do you, night, do you want to be better now or do you want to be better now and in the future, you know, so like. Yeah, because I mean, the way I see it is like, for example, we'll just we'll just bring up, a, you know, names for example. These, you know, I haven't done a side by side statistical comparison, but we'll just say the names just to make the example easier. If you sign Paxton and Odorizzi instead of signing Bauer, okay, Bauer say that he provides Cy Young like performances for. We say we sign him for six years, and he does Cy Young ish seasons for four of them and you sign Paxton and Odorizzi to two-year deals each okay and they they are lights out for those two years then you're still in comparison it's more or less short short term in comparison to the long term and I think that if you get a, a higher level arm I don't know if Bauer is the best example but if you put Bauer up there, at his peak, he's significantly higher than those other players. So if he underperforms what you expect him to and say he only performs at a 70% level than what you expected him to or wanted him to, where is that 70% in comparison to the next guy? That is the answer to the question. If you think that if Bauer performs at anywhere between 50 to 70%, of your expectations, where are those stats in comparison to the guy that you can pay a lot cheaper? Because you're gambling that he's going to be anywhere between that 50 to 100% of your expectations. If he gives you that 100% for even half or more of that contract, you win the deal. If he performs around 70% of the expectations that you hold, then in comparison to, say, a Paxton, what is Paxton going to do at 100% of his expectations in comparison to 70% of Bauer? And that's that's the real that's the real question and answer that we need to you know, figure out because some people don't want Bauer because of whatever reason it may be. But that is the, that's the goal when you sign a big-level arm like a Garrett Cole to nine years. If you only get 100% of Garrett Cole for five of those nine years they sign him for – and then get 60 to 70% of Garrett Cole for the remaining of the contract, 70% of Garrett Cole is still better than a majority of 100% of every other pitcher. So that is where 
that meeting is. How good is this guy, and how good would he still be even if he fell off and didn't perform at his max? And that, I think, is where people miss out. Because, yeah, sure, if Paxton goes out there next year, or Tanaka, which I heard he's not even going to probably be getting a, minor, a major league deal, uh, but you know, in those names, the Odorizzi example. I, I like Odorizzi, but the point is is that we need to be going after guys that their 100% is really good because the chances of you getting 100% of a pitcher of their full potential year to year, even one year at all, is slim based on injuries, based on tons of different things. So you don't want to get a guy that you're only going to like if they are at their full 100% potential. Because I promise you, if we sign a Paxton and he's not all there and he's at 60% expectation Paxton, he is not going to be a good deal at all. Because 60% Paxton is heavily below average arm. 80% Marquez, phenomenal. I'll love an 80% Marquez. You give me 100% Marquez, dude, we're in. So you give me an 80% Bauer and 80% Marquez, that is significantly better than a majority of 100% of pitchers. And I think that is where people's heads should be at is you need to realize projections aren't all aren't everything. And you have to remember guys are not always going to perform to expectations. And what are they, what are their stats really going to look like when they don't live up to those expectations? Yeah, I, I like that. And one more, one final, I guess, example in a sense, not I don't know if it's an example, but comparison here. You go back to the 2012 free agent class. The Angels signed Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson. Let's just fall. Let's just let's just zone in here on Albert Pujols for a second. You with you're back in 2012. Who are you taking in this? Do you want to sign Albert Pujols, who is a career player? He's very good, but when you're looking at his numbers, is slightly declining. I believe it's 32 at the time, if I'm not mistaken, or something along the lines of that. And, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. Sign to a big deal. We are where we are now. Or do you want to sign Aramis Ramirez for a little bit of a smaller deal? Probably, you know, gives you a similar output. I guess it's not really a, sim- a very fair comparison there. But, I mean, looking at it now, it kind of is because you don't have Pujols on the con- on on it anymore you have Ramos Ramirez I guess a good one might be Adrian Beltre signed the year before I was looking at 2011 Adrian Beltre signed the year before the Angels were in on him would you rather have Adrian Beltre at that time in his prime or do you want to wait a year and get Albert Pujols I know this is like kind of a weird comparison here but I feel like it's it's a similar comparison looking at the years and looking at how Adrian Beltre was though we never saw Adrian Beltre really we, nobody thought he was just going to take off and be great for that amount of time until he was 36, 37, 38. So, I mean, I don't know if it's a fair comparison. I think we could keep it with Ramos Ramirez or Jimmy Rollins or somebody like that who didn't get as much money as much, you know, but was probably very similar, if not better, than you know Albert Pujols at his, in, during his time with the Angels. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough topic, but, you know, I'll I'll continue to die on the hill that, Sometimes I don't like the super long-term deals. I mean, I don't specifically remember the contract we gave Pujols off the top of my head. Wasn't it two, ten for two fifty around that realm? Ten for two twenty-five, I believe. Maybe it's two fifty. Something along the lines of that. Yeah, yeah. So we signed a guy that was thirty-two years old 
to a 10-year deal. That is not a good deal in any book. So I don't think it's a Pujols issue. I think it was a contract that we decided to give Pujols issue. Because for me, the C.J. Wilson deal, I don't think it was a bad deal. And I think that anybody who has a problem with C.J. Wilson should go back and look at the stats because he really did not do bad with us. He just got hurt towards the end of the, t- the tail end of the contract, uh, which I believe, if I remember listening back to the podcast that we had C.J. Wilson on our podcast, he said that the Angels recouped most of their money from, from the insurance and the contract anyways. So in four years with the Angels, he had a 3.87 ERA. So the C.J. Wilson deal was not a loss to me. Um, no, and like I wasn't. said, the Albert Pujols deal, I think it was because it, because it being 10 years at age 32, I think that that's a little risky. Um, but even looking towards the beginning of his contract with us, he was an all-star in 2015 and placed 17th in MVP in 2014 and placed 17th in MVP in 2012, the year that we signed him. So he had two top 20 MVP finishes in the first three years of his deal and an all-star appearance in his fourth year of the deal so if you really think about it if i were to sign a 32 year old position player regardless whether it's pujols or anybody it would not look like 10 years it would be more around five to seven and if you think about it like that that would put us at one two three four five five years would be putting us at he would be signed through 2016 um and that's he still had a 780 ops which is not you know great um, but not terrible. We wouldn't have been, you know, chomping at the bit to get rid of them. So I think if I were Angels front office and if I were to know more about um, the logistical things back then, I would have been like 10 years. Holy crap. That is way too long. We're signing him through his age 41, 42 season. Like that's too much. Like you don't know what's going to be happening to that guy in his, in his late mid to late thirties. So I still I mean, I, I'm not going to say I like Pujols because that's too generalized. But I think that Pujols could have been a good contribution to our team if we gave him a more team-friendly contract. Whether he would have accepted that, probably not because he probably had other offers on the table sim- similar to ours. But if we sign Pujols to around a four- to six-year deal, like the exact deal that I'm talking about Bauer – then that's money. He would have been an all-star one year before his contract would have been up at five years. So and towards the end of his end of his uh, career and probably not gotten another good long-term deal, he would have been living out one-year contracts for the rest of his career after that, which is why he took our deal because it's, it's a player-friendly contract. So for me, I still, I still will stand by it that I would still rather sign Bauer four to six. I would still rather sign the best. He was the number one rated free agent on the market. CJ Wilson was the number fourth rated free agent on the market. So we got two top five free agents that played well with us if they got contracts that were team friendly. A two hundred. I think you know what? It was ten for two forty. Pujols' deal. Ten for two forty is not a team friendly deal. If we go out and sign Bauer to ten two fifty, that's not a team friendly deal. You need to do a team-friendly deal or meet in the middle to not have another Pujols issue. C.J. Wilson was not an issue. Josh Hamilton was an issue for other reasons, not because of the contract we gave him. So um, honestly, we don't – we have this vibe around us that we just hand out these terrible deals. 
And I really think that Pujols is really one of the only ones that I don't, I think Rendon's contract is going to live out to be good. I think Trout's is going to live out to be good. And other than that, like what else have we done? We can't help. We can't help that Pujols started sucking. We can't help that. He's, he's old. He's going into being 42 years old. What do you want the guy to do? You know? So it was our fault. And Pujols is really the only one that I think that was truly our fault. You cannot give a 32-year-old position player that you know is going to be D, should be a DH in two to three years a 10-year contract. That is the issue. I'll say this right now, and we'll just kind of end here because I have one more question I want to get on to before you know, we end this podcast. But there's a lot more that goes into the Pujols deal that – does not need to get out there any further and it's not just a bad deal I mean you look at what Pujols has done in the clubhouse and you know what he has brought to the organization in a as in a whole and whether that's you look at you know guys that play overseas that might be wanting to come over and say hey do I want to go to Kansas City or do I want to go to Anaheim or just an example there you know, where they have Albert Pujols, who is a great guy that came from, I believe, the Dominican, well, at one point lived in the Dominican Republic and is a legend down there, does a lot of great charity work, you know? So there's a lot more that goes into that, this Pujols deal than just what we're seeing right now. And, you know, there's a lot in the background as well that needs to, you know, that went into that deal. So I'll leave it at that, you know, whether the Pujols deal has lived up to what it is on the field, you know, that's for sure. You know, Pujols hasn't played up to what he, what he, you know, what the Angels fans and what the Angels have hope, hoped he was going to be. In the background, I think it kind of has in a sense because it made already money. It made already a lot of money. So I'll leave it at that. It is kind it of. It would have been sick as if he, if we signed him with like a five or six year deal and then either, you know, depending on how he did statistically in those last couple of years, he could have either been like, all right, you know what? I'll try to sign a couple one-year deals and, and finish it out maybe with a random team, which isn't always favorable. Or we could have been like, hey, man, because of it being Pujols, how, how much of an incredible dude he is and how much knowledge he has. Been like, hey, man, uh, we'll pay you you know X amount of dollars to be our hitting coach. Like that could have been a similar effect. He could have still had that effect on the clubhouse because, like you said, Pujols is an incredible dude and has given an invaluable – serviced angels clubhouse and the fan base and the franchise in itself but the point is is that you don't want to be paying 25 plus million dollars for that um you know without the production so you know that's that's where i say the deal went wrong is i think it could have been approached differently and been like we don't want to lose this guy but we can't have him on the field you know five years coaching staff is is how i wish that would have gone down yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I understand all points and aspects of the deal. I'll just say there's more that goes into that deal, you know, and we can just leave it at that. So next question, final question here of this podcast, kind of a fun one that I have always thought about. You know, I posted on Twitter from time to time. I finally, I think, got the wording correctly. But Brock, would you rather have the best player in baseball for 10 consecutive years and not make it to the playoffs or make it to the playoffs for 10 consecutive years, but never win the World Series? First one. First one? 
Yeah. Not even throwing any names out there right now. Not no names at all. You know, it could be a couple teams in the LA Anaheim area <laughs> that this is about. But I mean, they won. That's that's another that's another topic, and I'm not going to discuss that here on this podcast because it's Dodgers, it's Dodgers, and congratulations to the Dodgers for winning their asterisk mark World Series in a 60 game uh, yeah. season. And it is what it is, and people may hate me for that. It, it it is what it is, and that is my belief, and I will stand by that. But it's a tough, it's a difficult question. It really, really is when you think about it. You know, do you want to have success for 10 straight years? but not be successful or do you want to not be good for 10 straight years, but have the best player in baseball? And that could go for, that actually can go for any sport too. You know, like think about like if LeBron was on a losing team for 10 straight years or I don't know, Cristiano Ronaldo or. I, I know, mean, I think you're saying the same thing twice. Cause in my opinion, if you, you make it to the playoffs and don't win the world series, you're still a losing team. So I, I personally don't really care if we go 90 and, you know, 72. If we don't win the World Series, I don't really give a crap what our standings were. I'm not going to remember that. But I would remember losing a World Series or losing uh, or winning a World Series. So for me, you're there's 29 losing teams every single year. And that's the way that I see it. There's only one winning team at the end of the year regardless of your record. The only difference is that you decide how you're going to rebuild your team or, or what you're going to do in the offseason based off of how well you performed. And that – that's it. That's true. Very true. But do you remember making it to the postseason for 10 straight years? Or do you remember ha- the best player in baseball for the 10 straight years? Best pl- like, do you- I'll throw out the names. Do you remember Mike Trout? Or do you remember what, ha- what the Dodgers did in 2011? Yeah. Mike Trout's best season, 2000, uh, what, 2011, 2012, were his best seasons. Nobody talks about what the Dodgers did. Just, a, no. just, a, just an argument there. Just a question. I mean, before this, because now I don't have, I I can't do it anymore, but there's plenty of Dodgers fans in my area because I don't know how it is down the hill. There's probably more Angels fans down the hill where you are, but uh, up around where I live, you're either a Dodgers fan or you're an Angels fan. Um, And it seems like up here, it's, it's honestly pretty equal up here. And before I would, you know, of course, for some reason, I would never go out of my way to talk crap to a Dodgers fan, but I swear Every time the Dodgers fan sees me and knows I'm an Angels fan, they always go out of their way to say something to me. Always. Like, oh, best player can't get you there, huh? This, que- this, question, has, this question has nothing to do with fandom. I want to know if you want the best player in baseball for 10 straight years or do you want to make it to the playoffs for 10 straight years? I'm still taking the best player. I agree. I agree with that. Like, And it's nothing against the Dodgers and it's nothing for the Angels on this podcast. But, you know, it's like a question that I've always... I've always thought about, like, I mean, yes, it's, it's amazing to make it to the playoffs, and baseball's a team game, and having the best player in baseball is a great thing, and, it, and it, it's a testament to how hard it is to make it to the playoffs. It really is. But at the same time, like, you know, there's nothing to, you know, bat an eye about You made it to the play, if you made it to the playoffs for 10 straight years, you know? Like, that's a, that's a dynasty in itself. Like, look at the – everybody still talks about the Braves and what they did back in the 90s to the 1000s. What they make it, like – 15 straight years of the playoffs or something ridiculous like that. The Yankees, everybody yeah, always talks about. they win like they two won, or three World Series in they a row. Won, they won one or two. Still. Like I mean, 94, 95, I think. Something. They, I think they won one. Something along the lines of that. Dude, that rotation, bro. Exactly. Oh. No, no, exactly. And like, stay on to stay, stay on to Angels here because we, I mean, we can talk baseball in that rotation all day. But 
it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Like the Dodgers, when you look at it down the road, the Dodgers are going to be talked about for sure. Like this is a dynasty that they've put together for uh, you know for the past ten years, and if they're going to continue to be good. There's no nobody stopping them except for the team down south of the Angels, Padres, who are looking real good. But yeah, you know, it's just a question that I've pondered, and I figured I'd get your your take on it and i'd love to get some other people's takes on it and you know if we get some more talking fans on we can ask them and see what they have because i have nobody in line like the only thing they're gonna remember is why it took them so long that's no i mean that's a that's a fair argument it really is like you know like what was the problem why didn't that team win the win the world series you know and on same, paper i feel like they're favors favor yeah. favorites of majority of the time oh, i mean 2017 it, you know uh, we won't even get into that but um you know, I, I still think on paper, you know, cheating or not, I, you know, it's it's impossible to quantify. So, I mean, there's not really even an argument to have there because you can't just say, oh, well, the Dodgers won. No, we're squashing it because we don't really know when and how they cheated. I mean, we know how, but when they cheated, whether their stats are legit, like we don't even know. It's impossible to quantify. They could have been significantly worse without it or they could have been a little bit worse but still a playoff team. You know, they obviously didn't cheat their way to the pros, so they got there. So that's that's fair, and you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm kind of throwing this out there on a line and a reel, and just leaving it in the water in a bobber, and saying, hey, anybody wants to bite on it, come on the show and talk and talk through this little argument. Whether I'll have Dodgers fans, I'd love to have Dodgers fans on. This would be a lot. That'd be a lot of fun to that would be argument. Fun. You know, a little bit. I wouldn't call it an argument, but. You know, go back and forth with a couple Dodgers fans to see what they think. Because, you know, like I said, I'm on the I would slightly be on the Dodgers side a little bit. You know, winning is fun. Winning solves a lot of things. Winning solves a lot of things. Also having the best player in baseball solves a lot of things as well. And I think we'll just kind of leave it at that. Any final thoughts, Brock? Uh yeah, we'll we'll save it for another show, but just to get a little sneak peek and especially if uh we can possibly get some Dodgers fans on here, <laughs> I definitely disagree with the fact that you're putting an asterisk next to the Dodgers World Series in twenty twenty. Oh, and Dodgers I'll only say I'll only say I'll one talk. thing about it. The only reason I do, and I don't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast or not when we found out it was gonna be sixty games. But I started out on the train of thinking, Oh, this playoffs is gonna be a wash. And the only te- the only people who are going to think it's not are the fans of the world champion this year. But then I changed my mind. And the only reason I did is because did the playoffs – I mean, obviously there's always going to be that random team maybe. But I really don't think looking at the playoff bracket for 2020, it looked any different from what I would have expected in a 162-game season. And on top of that, this this is the bigger one for me because I think – if there was 162 games, it would have looked a little bit different. Would the Dodgers still have made it? Yes, I'm confident the Dodgers would have still made it. And B, because the playoffs were not, if anything, the playoffs were harder to win a World Series this year than they were in previous years, especially if you were a lower seed. If you were a higher seed, didn't really make that much of a difference. But if you were a lower seed, it was harder this season, more than any season I can remember, to win a World Series because there was an extra series instead of a one-game wild card. So for me, the playoffs was played no differently than normally would, so they earned every single playoff game that they played. And they still would have made the playoffs regardless of 60 or 162-game season. Now, if you put someone in there, if if the World Series champion last year was someone that you would have been like, uh, bro, 
I don't think they could have held up over 162 games. Nobody was expecting them to make the playoffs, and they just got hot at the right time, and then they somehow win the World Series. Might be a different conversation. This has been a long time of coming for the Dodgers, and I think that everybody expected them to win the West. Everybody expected them to go deep, and they earned every playoff game that they won. So for me, there ain't no asterisk. For me, they earned it, and I'm surprised I'm even saying it, but that's just what I have to say. So if we get a Dodgers fan on the show, just know I'm on your side. I'm not disappointed. Like I said, I mean, I'd be on I'm – not, I'm not on the Dodgers' side on that one, and – I'm not even going to go into an argument on this at all because I want to get some I want to get some more fans on this and I want to discuss this. We'll have a nice simple argument. You're not even an argument. We'll we'll talk like adults about this. You know, if you want to yell a little bit, I'll yell back. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. But guys, if you want to come on the show and talk this little bit through with us, go and message us on Twitter. I am at Jared underscore Tims. Brock, where can we find you? B-D-R-O-X-8 on Twitter, and don't forget, we have the new Instagram page, so I know he already mentioned in the beginning, but talking underscore halos, thank you for everything already. We already got 50 followers in one day yesterday, so that's awesome, uh, but if you're listening, go go give that, and every single day that at least I am aware of a podcast being recorded, um, I will personally post something on there to make sure that there is some sort of uh, poll or question or something to um, potentially contribute to the show that that day that i know we're recording so uh just be on the lookout for that and uh yeah yep yes go follow us there you want to follow us on facebook you can follow us there at talking halos on twitter we're at, at talking halos as well it's talking halos everywhere i think which is yeah fantastic. just super underscore easy. on instagram yeah. that's the only difference super easy guys remember keep an eye out for our website that we're going to be coming up with a lot of fun things fun ideas going on there as well so for me and brock here you guys have a fantastic and safe day